Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. What is up, everyone? It is Alec, and today we are bringing you another MS4 Specialty Series episode, with this one centering on pediatrics. I'm super excited to share this episode with you, as our two fourth years, Tara and Hannah, gave us such great insight into the field of peds. And for those of you new to Medicus, the specialty interview with our fourth-year students consists of three parts. The first part will be about the field, the second part will be matching into the field, and the third part will be the general advice section. So as a heads up, we will be bringing you more MS4 episodes later on this year after this cycle of fourth-year students completes their away rotations and applied for match. Um, so the episodes you can look forward to in the relatively near future include psychiatry, ob and family medicine. And after these three, we will have completed the core specialties of our MS4 series. But since we received such great feedback on our ophthalmology episode, we're going to build upon the MS4 specialty series and bring you episodes on anesthesiology, radiology, orthopedics, urology, ENT, dermatology, neurosurgery, plastic surgery, and vascular surgery, um, and others as well if I forgot any. <laughs> um, so be sure to let us know what you want to hear first at Medicus Podcast on social media or send us a message at medicuspodcast at gmail.com. Um, but for now, I'll turn it over to Tara and Hannah to enlighten you about the awesome field of pediatrics. So I hope you enjoy. All right, um, I can start. So I'm Tara. Uh, originally from the Chicago area, growing up always loved science and kind of thought I would, you know, one day be a vet. And then that kind of turned into uh, wanting to be a physician. Um, so for my undergrad, I went down to Baylor, which is in Waco, Texas, uh, and I studied a dual degree. So I did both business as well as pre-med. Um, after graduation, I took one gap year off to do some research and some scribing in the ED and kind of prepare my application. And then I uh, decided to come back to Loyola for med school when I got admitted. Um, so that was a really exciting time, and uh, Loyola has been great, and I uh, just couples matched into pediatrics, oh, and sweet. my boyfriend couples matched into EM. EM, okay, awesome, cool. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm originally from Boulder, Colorado. Um, I left a while ago, though, and went to undergrad at Wellesley College, just outside of Boston, um, where I studied psychology. After that, I took two years off, um, and I did a research fellowship at Yale University in Connecticut, um, which was a ton of fun, and I totally suggest taking time off. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I um, came to Loyola for medical school and have absolutely loved it. Um, for me, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor, and I actually always knew I wanted to do pediatrics, so I'm one of those weird kids where I was like 10 years old and wanted <laughs> to that, do yeah. pediatrics, so cool. I've known for a long time. Sweet, sweet. Um, so uh, this is a good time to transition to talk about pediatrics itself. Um, and I would just, I'm just curious of, of your decisions to go into pediatrics and, and even you, Hannah, who have, has known that you wanted to go through pediatrics like your whole life. Um, how, how did that start? And um, how was that solidified, I guess, like when you were rotating or in medical school? Yeah, so I, like I said, was really young when I knew I wanted to do pediatrics. Initially, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I think, you know, everyone loves their elementary school teachers. And then um, I decided, as much as I loved teaching, um, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician because my best friend's mom was, and she used to take us to the hospital on the weekends. Um, and kind of as I 
grew up, I loved science and I really just liked taking care of people. Um, and so kind of always knew that I liked working with kids, um, which is why my fellowship, I did autism research um, and worked with preschoolers and absolutely loved it. Um, and then when I came to medical school, I really did want to have an open mind. Like I knew in the back of my head that pediatrics was something I absolutely loved, but um, I knew that it was important to keep things open. Uh, so going through my rotations and even the first two years, I just shadowed a bunch in a lot of different specialties in um, family and surgery, everything. And even going through my rotations, I don't think there was one I didn't like. So mm -hmm. even though I knew pediatrics was kind of um, what I wanted to do in the end, I was really open to exploring all of the other fields um, kind of as I went through. So cool. And I was actually quite the opposite, um, mm -hmm. as I think any single one of my classmates would tell you. When I got to med school, I thought I was going to be a surgeon. <laughs> um, I wanted to be a surgeon that worked with kids, so I either wanted to do you mm -hmm. know, pediatric general surgery or be a pediatric mm -hmm. uh, ENT or something, mm -hmm. but it was always surgery first. Mm -hmm. um, so my first and second years, I did a lot of time shadowing in the OR. I had both, um, mostly surgical research, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and then started M3 year. Uh, I structured it so that I had surgery right in that golden period in January. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had peds right before it. And I absolutely loved my pediatrics rotation. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed the patient population. And mm -hmm. I thought that solidified that, okay, I'm going to do surgery, but I'll do pediatric surgery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but then when I got to my surgery rotation, I absolutely loved it. I had two fantastic months, mm -hmm. but I realized when I was with the adults, I was really missing the kids. And mm -hmm. looking at any of those paths, mm -hmm. uh, you're doing a lot of surgery with adults mm -hmm. and um, before you get to specialize in pediatrics. And it's also very hard to specialize in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, say general surgery, those mm -hmm. are tough fellowships to get. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I had a lot of pros and cons lists going, but mm -hmm. um, really what it came down to was that pediatrics had the patient population that I wanted to care for. Mm -hmm. And I loved a lot of the unique aspects of pediatrics how we have to, you know, involve parents in decisions. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes our patients can't tell us what's wrong with them because mm -hmm. they're too little. Um, and mm -hmm. a lot of just those smaller details that really pushed me towards peds at the end. And mm -hmm. I couldn't be happier to have made that decision now. That's so cool. Yeah. And actually, that's like, I think one of the first times I've heard someone say that they are really, really strongly like pursuing a surgical field. And they come to realize it's actually the patients that they look for when they're choosing their specialty of choice. I think that's actually a good way to look at it almost is who do you want to care for? Because those are the those are the things that you're going to be doing every day, right? Exactly. Like that's what you're going to be thinking about every day is the patients that you're you're working with. So exactly. that was really that's a really good tip. And there's a lot of ways in pediatrics. Like I likely won't become a general pediatrician, although I'm not going to say that because I never would have thought I was mm -hmm. going to be sitting here. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of ways to have more procedural specialties in peds. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I can care for the patient population that I like, but still end up doing something more procedural. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so what are some things that you may dislike about the field? I think something that's frustrating for me and kind of as I've seen over the past years in medical school and even before doing research is that um, 
our patients can't advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. So when something is going on um, with them and maybe, you know, parents and patients sometimes have different um, perspectives on things and it comes to the physician to kind of mediate and figure out the best way forward. Um, But I think that that's going to be a challenge for me because um, we work with minors and so they are, they do need someone to make decisions for them most of the time. Um, but taking into account what the child wants, in addition to kind of um, the big picture plan, I think is going to be really satisfying, but also really challenging mm-hmm. for me as in a uh, career in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost want to echo what Hannah's mm-hmm. saying quite a bit. Um, you know, I think throughout all of our rotations, it's very easy to see who the decision maker is when you're dealing with a mm-hmm. five-year-old patient. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with a 16 or 17-year-old hemonc patient mm-hmm. who their parents get to make their decisions and they get very sick, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of hard to factor in what they might have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's so interesting that you, because both of you said it's actually the, the, the patient, the pediatric patient that's the challenge per se versus I I know like one of the classic stereotypes is like I hate dealing with parents you know and so that's interesting how you you guys didn't even even touch on touch on the parent aspect of it Um, yeah I feel like you can end up dealing with family members in in anything specialty I mean even if you're taking care of a 50 year old patient you're going to be dealing with their spouse Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what I've found that most of the time the parents are actually a little bit better because they want to follow through and they want mm-hmm. most cases they mm-hmm. want to do whatever you're telling them to help their child get better mm. that's a good point um and so kind of going off that are there any stereotypes or like other assumptions about your specialty um they could be like from a personality perspective like like what are the attendings like or residents like or um what do you like uh, or um just in general like the classic pediatric patient or something I think that we come out on top for this stereotype problem because (laughs) most of the time I hear like, oh my gosh, everyone in pediatrics is just so nice and um, so friendly and they want to like help everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's like, for me, been the biggest stereotype, Mm -hmm. um, which obviously is not a bad thing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the other stereotypes on the flip side, um, I don't know if Tara feels the same, is sometimes people see pediatrics as maybe an easier field to go into or Mm -hmm. um, an easier rotation or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I think that what happens is those two stereotypes kind of play together. And Mm -hmm. so people think, oh, peds is easier because everyone's so nice nice," (laughs) when really you're learning the same, but people Mm -hmm. are just being nice to you along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't have like someone yelling at you all the time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, our floors have a lot of stickers and fun and, Mm -hmm. you know, the dogs, the emotional support dogs come to visit, sometimes Mm -hmm. a miniature horse. Um, But at the end of the day, it's, you're still learning. Just mm-hmm. like Hannah said, it's just kind of in a different environment, which I think is a huge plus. So cool. Um, were you guys ever deciding between two or more fields of medicine to pursue at any point? And I know we kind of touched on the surgery versus pediatrics and and your decision to to really choose pediatrics. Was that because merely because of the patient population? Was that your determining factor? Was there something else like quote unquote, you couldn't live without the OR. I know that's like something that's like a, a thing for surgery is if you can see yourself working without the OR, then you probably don't need to do surgery. But if it's like absolutely needs to be part of your life, then you should do surgery. So what, what else kind of went into that decision, at least for you, Tara? Um, so definitely, the whole, I think it's kind of a saying that if there's nowhere else in the world you'd rather be than the OR, 
go into surgery. Mm -hmm. But for me, there, I really enjoyed being on the floor. I really enjoyed talking with families and patients and then just overall the patient population. Um, and kind of like I said earlier, uh, as I did a little bit more investigation beyond just what a general pediatrics clerkship here at Loyola gives you, um, I started to find more of the ICU specialties as well as, you know, CARDS and GI and PULM are all things where you're in a procedure room. You can do things like scopes or casts and things like that, where it kind of gives you that feeling of being in the OR um, and mm -hmm. procedural and um, that high acuity, high intensity that I really crave, but with the patient population that I love. Um, and I just, at the end of the day, I realized I could live without the OR. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a really important thing for me in going into that decision was I spent so much time in the OR first and second year. I mm -hmm. had two fantastic mentors who were like, if I am ever doing a case, come scrub in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, and I did that mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to my third year, I loved my rotations, but mm -hmm. the newness of the OR was not there for me. Gotcha. It was something I was very used to and, mm -hmm. um, it just, it wasn't all bright and shiny. It was something mm -hmm. I was regular and I was more evaluating, do I want to do this every single day for mm -hmm. the rest of my career? Mm. I, I think maybe for like five minutes considered something else and really not that far <laughs> from peds. Um, but I did think about med peds for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really liked my medicine rotation a lot. I learned a ton and mm -hmm. um, some of the pathologies you see in adult medicine, you really either see very differently in child mm -hmm. um medicine or you don't see it all. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a part of me that I was like very intrigued too by, while I, I absolutely love children and talking with them and, you know, sometimes you have no idea what they're saying, but it's cute and fun. Um, there was something about talking to an adult kind of about their life story that I really was drawn to. Mm -hmm. um, there would be times where on my rotations, I would go back after rounds and just like sit for hours and talk about like their time in the war or their family or mm -hmm. whatever it was. And I really enjoyed that piece of um, working with adults. Um, and I also just liked kind of the intellectual stimulation of both pediatric and adult medicine kind of at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of as I kept going and realized maybe what uh, I would want to do in the future with my career, I realized like I didn't need both medicine and pediatrics and so just went with pediatrics. But I did really like like it a lot and thought that med peds would be a really cool thing as well. Mm -hmm. And so was there like a, a deciding factor or deciding moment you're just like, okay, yeah, no, I don't need uh, yeah. the medicine? I think for med peds, it's a really amazing specialty and you don't really have to give up very many things kind of from the get-go. Right. But down the line, Unless you're planning to do something that is very specific that includes both adult and child medicine. So something like a hospitalist where you do both teams or mm -hmm. an outpatient physician where you do, um, do both children and adults, you really do end up picking one. So if I want to do ICU medicine, I'm going to either do the pediatric ICU or the medicine ICU. Sure. It's not both. Right, so. Right. Uh, for me and kind of what I wanted to do going forward, I realized that I do, I really only did need one and not mm -hmm. both. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so now I'd like to talk a little bit about matching into the field of pediatrics and we have two great fourth years here <laughs> and you guys have matched. Um, so would you like to inform everybody where you're going? Yes. Um, so I will be going to the university of Michigan awesome. in Ann Arbor and I'm going to the University of Colorado in Denver. Oh, so cool. Um, so one's going home and one's going to Michigan. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> nice. Um, so, you know, with that, uh, those are obviously like very tough programs to get into. Um, so what did you both do to make yourself competitive for matching into PEDS? Was it 
research, good letters? Was it, you know, commitment, quote unquote, like commitment to the field or something like that? Um, steps for, you know. So I don't want to speak for him, but I think we were both pretty well-rounded applicants. Mm -hmm. um, for me specifically, my application was probably a little bit different than Hannah's. Um, mm -hmm. I had a lot of research, but it was all uh, in surgical subspecialties. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had a hand research program. I had a project, excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, I had a spine research project. Mm -hmm. um, but what I really tried to do with those was just show them my commitment to research and learning the research process and, mm -hmm. um, you know, sticking it out through the projects and not just you know, leaving them in the dust because I decided to do pediatrics. Right. Um, and then something else that I had was um, working with a health careers academy that's here at Loyola. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is a program where we go into a local high school and teach students that are interested in pursuing healthcare-related careers mm -hmm. lessons on public health and uh, emergency care and just kind of serve as a mentorship role um, as well as doing some instructional teaching. So mm -hmm. I really highlighted that on my application because mm -hmm. um, I... I I loved it, and I also think it was a big influencer as well for mm -hmm. me choosing pediatrics because I loved working with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, just as far as, like, the normal stuff, good grades, good step scores, um, mm -hmm. and then finally letters of recommendation. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of singled out specific people who I thought could write me a strong letter and who had worked with really well in the past. And um, mm -hmm. I think from my interviews, I heard that I did have very strong letters. So mm -hmm. from, from that, I guess... Um did you were your letters coming from like a lot of the research people that you did worked with or were they do they have to be like pediatric specific for peds um so i think a lot of people can use you know a pediatrics letter versus a medicine letter versus a family medicine letter um to match into pediatrics but i think it's important it comes from one of those mm -hmm. so uh my main mentor who's a surgeon mm -hmm. wrote me one letter mm -hmm. um but then i actually had three other letters that were all from pediatricians gotcha. that i'd worked with on my clerkship uh, and on elective as well as my sub i yeah, most places I applied um, wanted to see at least two letters from pediatrics and mm -hmm. then one from a field like family medicine or medicine where um, it's still a primary care field, but you're working with a different patient population and they kind of want to see what people in fields other than what you're going into um, mm -hmm. have to say about you. And then one um, that sometimes comes from the chairman, so um, the head of pediatrics at um, your school writes a letter as well. Not all programs require that, um, but some do. Yeah, cool. so I had that as well for the programs that required it. Mm -hmm. So if you, I guess, if you could rank in importance, like what is what is the best thing to have, I guess, for a peds application for residency, what would you say that would be? I mean, I think it's hard to rank for pediatrics only because. I think that they really do value a well-rounded applicant and mm -hmm. they really do take into consideration kind of everything about you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that because we are going into a field where we're working with vulnerable population, right, children mm -hmm. and families, um, I think they do want to see that you're a really strong clinical um, applicant as mm -hmm. well as um, having strong letters to advocate for kind of your strength in the field, um, your compassion and your warmth. Um, I do think those things are really important in addition, obviously, to your extracurriculars and scores and grades, but mm -hmm. they do want to see that you're a friendly, fun, warm for person. Sure. For sure. Um, so how did you guys structure your fourth year for matching into pediatrics? So, um, you know, I'm kind of talking this classical sense of like what a traditional medical school curriculum is like so the first two years you're kind of more in the books then you take your step one exam and then you do like two years of like clinical stuff so usually like the last year will be something like an electives and and those kind of things finishing up required 
clerkships needing to do aways, those kind of things. So um, how, how did you guys structure your fourth year for matching into PEDS? So I think I'll start by talking about a little bit about third year. So to structure third year, um, I think most places would tell you if you know that you're interested in a field to try and put it somewhere in the middle. So you're not like a brand new third year mm-hmm. um, and you're also not totally towards the end. So you can still kind of forge relationships for um, getting letters of recommendation. Um, but that being said, like if you don't get it in the middle, it's totally fine. Um, you make it work. But I think if you had like the ideal mm-hmm. schedule, that's where mm-hmm. it would go. Um, and then for me, fourth year, I scheduled um, based on a couple of things. One, based on uh, a letter of recommendation I knew I wanted. Um, I wanted to get a letter from my ICU sub-I, so I did that really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also based on some like life circumstances, I was in a wedding and um, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to plan around those things. Sure, um, sure. And then also, uh, when I wanted to do my aways and when I wanted to do interviews. Mm. Um, so I ended up doing kind of all of my things really, really early on in the year. Um, and then doing my interviews mostly in November, um, some in December and then a couple in January, but for the most part, November. Um, and then, uh, that way I had like all of my letters of recommendation done. Um, I took step CS and CK, um, in the first half of the year so that my scores were in. Um, and then the last half of the year, I really got to explore kind of what I was interested in, um, both in medicine in general and in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I did mine very similarly. I ended my third year on medicine. So I went right into studying for step two CK and CS just because all of that medicine knowledge was fresh. Um, and then I did a sub I on the floor and then I did an elective where I actually wanted to get a letter and then, um, did most of my interviews early as well. Pediatrics interviews very early. Um, mm-hmm. We're usually one of the first to start getting interview invitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spread mine out quite a bit. I was on rotations uh, for a couple of the months I interviewed. So mm-hmm. I think I started them in October, uh, did a few October, November, and then I did most of mine in November, uh, excuse me, December. Cool, cool. Um, so how how does one stand out on a peds rotation and you know i'm sitting in front of you guys right now and i i bet like even listening to the interview you can just tell like how bubbly you guys are and how personal <laughs> you guys are so i i, I don't know is that just just an easy th- easy thing to say or just oh just like be really positive and happy like on a on your rotation is that like really what will get you far is there like another way that you can stand out on your rotation i think that you know being a positive hard worker is very important, um, but also just showing that you're dedicated and driven uh, and this is something that you want, might want to pursue or do want to pursue. Um, so, you know, showing up early, really, really reading about your patients. I think one of the things I like about pediatrics too is that a lot of times our patients are all have gotten all their care at Loyola. So I'm able to go back and read their admission to the hospital when they were born and then read all their notes up throughout, see how Mm -hmm. they've been developing and see Mm -hmm. uh, have they gotten all their vaccinations and small things like that. Mm -hmm. I think if you are on top of Mm -hmm. can uh, kind of just show that you're really interested in caring for the whole patient. Mm -hmm. And then the typical just reading around your patients, being prepared and having organized presentations, but that's for any rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Tara. I think that um, some people come into pediatrics, kind of like we said earlier with the stereotype that it's going to be easy and people are just going to be kind of easygoing and whatever. And they really are. But I think that a way to stand out is to show that you're still doing all of the hard work, even though it's a fun, happy atmosphere. 
Um, so I used to bring um, articles to rounds and just kind of reference the fact that um, I had read something that pertained to my patient and could maybe change care or management. Um, I really took the time to get to know the families and the patients and really was the one to know, you know, hopefully the most about that patient kind of at the rounds um, table. Um, I think something else for pediatrics is really just to forge those relationships with the families. Um, The more that the family feels cared for by you and the more that the child feels comfortable around you, um, kind of the, the better that the team feels that you've integrated um, and feels that, you know, they can really trust you with this family's care. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that might be a little bit different for peds. And I know it's, you know, an item that all Loyola students are graded on on every rotation, but really that that family looks to you as their doctor. Mm -hmm. And so on peds, that means going in and not only figuring out what you need to know from the patient and their physical exam and what they're saying, but then also relaying all this information to their parents to the family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah there's definitely like a stronger connection or there's definitely a um need i guess to to really seek out the interaction with the family and sometimes i guess i, you know, I haven't rotated on peds yet but i'm sure that sometimes their parents can be like overbearing or they're they're there anyway so you don't really have to seek that out but i think that's also a good point to really take that extra step to really like make sure that the parents and the family members like understand and are supported and, and yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of times when we see patients in the hospital and, you know, sometimes in the clinic as well, um, parents just come to it with, you know, all different backgrounds, all different levels of education and understanding. And for the most part, if your child's in the hospital, you as a parent are very scared, Mm -hmm. regardless of kind of what's going on. And so if someone can be there to comfort them and explain things to them in a way that they understand and can kind of process, the better their experience will be and the more that they'll trust the team um, with their medical care. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, So how how does one go about choosing... um, which pediatric program for residency. So let's say I've been through fourth, third year, fourth year, and um, I'm really into peds and I know I'm going to uh, apply for match. Um, how, how did you guys choose which place to go to? So I, I think, think oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Dara. Um, I think for pediatrics, one of the biggest and uh, decisions you need to make uh, more upfront is what size program you want. Um, there are programs out there that have you know, four residents versus 10 to 15 residents versus my program is going to have upwards of 30 residents. Um, And that's just kind of evaluating yourself personally uh, and as well as uh, kind of what you want in that environment, Um, but then also evaluating what kind of pediatric care that hospital provides. Um, Throughout my interviews, I wasn't sure if I wanted a more medium 10 to 15 sized program or a bigger program. Um, But at the end of the day, I think I realized that uh, the size of the program generally correlated with the amount of resources the hospital had as far as um, the depth of patients you're going to see. You're going to see the bread and butter asthmatics pretty much anywhere. But if you want to see kids with rare genetic diseases and disorders or some sort of congenital heart problem, um, likely you're going to end up at a little bit of a bigger program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so following up on that, I think uh, in addition to size, it's whether or not you prefer a more academic institution versus a more community-based institution. They really are both for pediatrics. Um, And typically, the smaller the residency, um, 
the more community of a feel you'll have. Um, and the larger the residency, it's usually at an academic institution. So just kind of um, thinking about your future in the field and do you want and like education and research and um, that sort of thing in addition to clinical work? Or are you mostly drawn just to clinical work and kind of piecing apart um, where you see your future going, even if you don't know, just thinking about what options you want to keep open for yourself. Um, and so if you are interested in more education research in addition to clinical, then academic, a bigger institution might be for you. If you're like, I am a clinician all the way, then a more um, community-based institution might be the way to go. Um, and then, you know, there's we're all at a point in our lives now where things like location and family and significant others and you know, where we want to be is also super important. So in mm -hmm. addition to the style of the program, mm -hmm. where you're going to be happiest is also really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know you touched on how your fiance, boyfriend, uh, boyfriend, boyfriend mm -hmm. um, uh, are, are couple, couples matched, right? Um, Correct. Is he, is he at UMich as well? Or, um, he'll uh, actually be at another program in the Detroit area and, called and, Beaumont. Okay, so. cool. So, um, so close by. Mm -hmm. So was that like a location that you both were... I guess why did you choose why did you choose that area or was that just kind of how it happened with matching? Um, so for the couples match, you know, making the list is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, we both individually made lists of favorite programs just on paper, mm -hmm. based on whatever we were basing them on, mm -hmm. um, and then we came together and really evaluated our list and then looked at cities. Mm -hmm. So typically for couples matching, the bigger the city, the better, mm -hmm. um, just because there's multiple programs for each of you. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Chicago, the Chicago area and the Detroit area were really great for both of us. We mm -hmm. were kind of hoping to stay in the Midwest around our families because we're both from the Chicago area. Cool. Um, so, you know, he interviewed, I think, at five, four or five programs in Detroit, and mm -hmm. I interviewed at two. Mm -hmm. So we can make a lot of combinations out of that um, okay. and very similar with Chicago. And so that's kind of how you make your application list to figure out mm -hmm. where you're going to apply, where you're going to interview. And then for our rank list, it was just figuring out what our favorite programs were. Um, so yeah, so I'd like to now talk a little bit about just the general advice, um, that you could give to students. And this is for, you know, students that are in all aspects of medical training. So from pre-med to, you know, fourth year students that are just graduating your classmates and, and advice that you would give them, um, as well. So I guess just to start, um, what advice would you give to the pre-med student or, um, the gap year student? So I think to the pre-med student um, or someone taking a gap year before coming, I think the most important thing is to really evaluate, is medicine what you want to do? So, you know, it's a long road ahead, and if you love it, it's fantastic, and you'll never go back. Um, but you want to make sure, first of all, that it's something that you really are passionate about. So I would say... As much as you can, I know it's difficult, but dip your toes in. Like, go see what it's like, even if you're just volunteering at a hospital, shadowing, you know, a family physician or whoever it is, you can um, go kind of see what they do and just get get your feet wet in that arena. And really, I would say for, for these people and for everyone, just do what you're passionate about. So if you're passionate about research, go for it. If you're passionate about volunteering, go for it. If it's playing soccer, do that, you know, um, because the most important thing I think for down the line when you're applying or even, you know, whatever, for the rest of your life is just to do what you love and be able to talk about it passionately. And then people will know that you're going to be able to bring that passion with you to your career as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I think Hannah said this earlier, but I absolutely loved my gap year. Um, I thought it was fantastic uh, just to kind of 
not be in college, uh, but not yet go straight to medical Experience school. Experience real life, yeah. Experience real <laughs> life. Um, and during that time, I did uh, worked on a research project, and then I also scribed in the ED. Mm. And for me personally, that year was really important. I always wanted to do medicine, but I was also interested in business, so I got a business degree. Um, but that year really solidified to me that I wanted to go and pursue medical school rather than just go use my business degree. Mm-hmm. So cool. I think for me too, it was important, like coming in as someone who always knew they wanted to be a physician. Um, for me, the gap year I did more in the field of um, neuroscience and psychology. And so for me, it was actually interesting, like halfway through thinking to myself, like, wow, you know, for however many years I want to be a physician, but do I actually want to pursue a PhD in this field? Mm -hmm. And I had never really like let myself think about anything else. And so the fact that I was able to explore something else and really still come back to the fact that I wanted to do medicine, I think was a really special and unique kind of scenario because it taught me like, no, you actually want to do this and you're Mm -hmm. ready to pursue it. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, what would you give? Uh, what advice would you give to a first-year medical student? So again, I guess we're going to talk about like the traditional, the traditional um, uh, curriculum. So like first two years, I guess uh, more in the books, and then last two years rotating. So, so for first and second year, I'm going to throw second years into here too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something really important is to spend a lot of time shadowing, mm-hmm. um, and I know it's really hard, uh, but for me, I think that played a big role in my f- career decision tree Mm -hmm. um and it also just lets you get exposure to other fields like i didn't only go scrub into the or i you know shattered shadowed in pediatrics actually i shadowed in um ent i did some ortho which obviously are surgical subspecialties Mm -hmm. um and then also family medicine though Mm -hmm. and i think that just uh allowed me to have an open mind going into third year because Mm -hmm. when in those you know short intermittent shadowing experiences i realized i did like all of those afternoons or days Mm -hmm. um so i think that that's a big piece of advice i would give on top of just really maintaining your coursework um and working really hard Mm -hmm. um i think it would be very easy to sit here right now and say oh i should have studied less or i should have had more fun um and i did have fun but at the same time i was uh very diligent to getting through coursework and classes and lectures. And I think that that just set me up really well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's hard kind of as a first year, sometimes you have students ahead of you who are like, oh, it's your first year. Enjoy your life. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that bad. Um, But you realize if you think about it, that's their first year of medical school. So it's a transition regardless. And so getting used to being in medical school, if you're coming back from not being in school, getting used to studying again and being in a classroom. For sure. um, And really just giving yourself that space and time to adjust back into things um, and not forgetting to do things that you enjoy as well. So um, if you can integrate them into, you know, the coursework or into extracurriculars or whatever it is, just remembering that you're a person outside of medicine as well and you want to feed those parts of you. Um, And I agree with Tara, shadowing was so much fun and it not only was like good for career um, kind of formation and deciding what you want, but Mm -hmm. it reminds you why you're here. Like in the end, we're not Mm -hmm. all here to sit in a classroom and read books all day. We're here to be physicians and see patients. And so going into the clinic or the hospital or OR, wherever it is, you're reminded like, this is why I'm here. And it gives you that extra push to kind of go forward. Yeah. When you're studying at 10 p.m. on a Friday, (laughs) that just like helps a little bit with the motivation. (laughs) For sure. Uh, what advice would you give to like the second year medical student? So this is like the, I guess the latter half of your, um, your like book studying and getting ready for step one and, and all that. 
I think a, a big thing, Hannah mentioned it earlier, is prior to the lead up to step one, really making sure you have some time for yourself and figuring out how you're going to take care of yourself while you're studying for boards. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really important thing for just maintaining um, sanity and just a sense of normalcy while you're really stressed out throughout second year uh, leading up to board studying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my biggest advice for second years is really just to stay in your own lane. So there are going to be people around you doing X, Y, and Z, and that might work for them. It's not going to work for the next person. What you're doing isn't going to work for the next person next to you. So I think just remembering like everyone has their own way of doing things and finding the way that works best for you and just sticking with it, trying your hardest not to compare yourself to other people, which is really challenging in medical school, um, but really just staying in your own lane, doing what you're used to, kind of um, keep as much as you can in kind of your own little bubble um, for studying and for school and doing whatever. Um, I think that's a really important and really helpful thing to do second year, especially as you lead up into board studying. Um, how about for the third year medical students? So the typical, like you just started your rotations and you're going through like those core clerkships. I think my biggest piece of advice would just to be show up every day and have a positive attitude and, uh, work hard and help the team however you can. Um, there might be certain rotations that you like more than others and on the ones that you maybe don't like as much. Um, just trying to maintain a positive attitude I think is really important because um, that kind of you know carries around the whole team as well. If mm -hmm. you're down and negative or your resident's down and negative, uh, mm -hmm. it's just gonna make it an even a worse experience. Mm -hmm. I think for third year, if you can go into every rotation thinking to yourself, this, is the, this might be the last time I'm going to do this, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be a surgeon. I was really scared of the OR. <laughs> but it was the last time I was going to be in there, so why wouldn't I just enjoy it the best I could, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned everything I possibly could because now when I refer patients for surgery, I know a little bit better what they're going to go through and what to sure. expect. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say just go in with an open mind for every rotation get what you can out of it. The more you put in, the more you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and really huge. just enjoy it. Like third year is so fun. And that's what we're, that's what we came to do. Mm -hmm. It's really a time to soak it all up and just love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. How about, and actually, uh, Tara, I'm going to ask you a quick question because you mentioned like just like working hard um, on your rotations. And um, is there something specific that you feel that like carries over like when like, like, I guess, how would you think a resident when they evaluate you or when an attending evaluates you, like, how do they, how, how, how would they know that you worked hard? Or like, what did that look like to them? Um, I think from a resident evaluation standpoint, it just comes from showing up on time, showing up ready to see your patients in the morning or pre-round on them um, and kind of saying, okay, here, I saw this patient. This is what I think. What do you think? Mm -hmm. um, and then from an attending standpoint, it's kind of like what Hannah mentioned earlier, showing them that you're reading and looking up things around your patient. And I know you know, it's like a very weird term, reading around your patient. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear that as your evaluation. Oh, keep reading. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the attendings can tell if you have a patient with a super rare disease and you go find an article about it and say, oh, yeah, I read. And, you know, in this article, they mentioned this for this disease. Mm -hmm. Your attending can pick up on that and know that you're not just, you know, reading it for 30 seconds and going on. If you've mm -hmm. uh, really put in the effort, I th think the attendings are able to tell. Yeah, I think as best you can, just showing that you're interested. Yeah, exactly. Like showing you're interested kind of correlates to hard work in third mm -hmm. year. So yeah. um, 
you know, we're, we're a part of the team, um, but we are not the ones making any sort of decision. And Mm -hmm. so in that case, it's our time to kind of, um, learn as much as we can make any sort of contributions, say what the research is saying, um, and really just be a part of the team and just showing that you're interested and you've thought about it maybe outside of rounds shows people that you care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, kind of going off of that too, just as far as staying interested, if you're on a long call for medicine and you get that admit at 5 p.m., don't just look at your resident and try and, you know, sneak off. Go mm-hmm. see the patient. Go mm-hmm. learn about them and use it as a learning experience, and then they'll see, oh, this this person's willing to, you know, put in the effort. Cool. Um, how about for fourth-year students? So um, maybe for your classmates or something that you wish you would have done or wish, wish you would have known, maybe like going to fourth year, whether that be like in terms of like how to structure like interviews or... Um, I don't know, things like that. I think it's a... (laughs) Go ahead, Derek. Uh, It can be a really stressful time leading up to the beginning of fourth year, which I don't think a lot of people mention. Um, Right now it's April and fourth year is awesome because we don't have much going on. But, you know, June, July, August, September, even October, it's a lot of work preparing your ERAS application and getting ready to start interviewing Um, and getting, like, those final rotations done before grades get sent out to programs. I don't want to say that that's easy, so I think my biggest piece of advice would be to kind of mentally prepare that those first few months are going to be really hard and a lot of work. Um, Just because advice I always heard was, oh, fourth year's a breeze. You don't have to worry about it at all. Mm -hmm. And then here I am doing my ERAS on a sub-I. Like, where is the easy part? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's coming, but I think just being prepared for everything that is getting ready for applications. And then the easier part starts once you start getting interviews and going on interviews. It's taxing and tiring, but it's a lot of fun to get to go out and meet a lot of different people and meet a lot of different program directors and see how different people do it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, leading into towards the end of fourth year when it's time to go on some vacations. Cool. I think for me, the biggest piece of advice would be um, – to take advantage of fourth year. So mm-hmm. that beginning part, like Tara said, is really challenging in that you're just juggling a lot. Um, you're trying to apply, you're trying to finish sub-I's and all, you know, take step and all of that. Um, but then kind of as it winds down or even in the midst of it, just trying to take advantage of um, things that you might not, you know, see when you are a resident. So um, take electives that don't even pertain to your specialty in things that just interest you um, or things that could pertain to your specialty but more in a tangential way or whatever it is. Um, Things that you just are curious about or interested in and this is the last time to kind of see it. Um, I think that would be something to do um, just to take advantage of fourth year. I think another piece of advice um, that I kind of, you know, for everyone in medical school is to just find a really awesome mentor. Um, that person can be a clinical mentor, a research mentor, um, anything, anyone you kind of connect with on that level, just to help you um, decipher what things are important to you and um, as you start applying where the right places for you might be. Um, and so fostering that relationship throughout medical school and then having that person there who really knows you to help you decipher those things was really, really helpful for me. It, it was for me as well. I think that some of my mentors are, were the most valuable aspects of medical school, just from a standpoint of they have seen you grow and make certain decisions and um, kind of can help you with everything that is deciding about residency and then even further on in your career. Cool. Um, and then I have like one more question. Um, 
So what do you think the best algorithm is for choosing a specialty in medical school? And so I know some people come in and they like want to do a certain specialty and that like works. Sometimes you come in wanting to do one and then you totally like realize that you love something else and then that happens. So is there something, some sort of like methodology of, okay, should I choose this, this first and then branch off and do this, this, or is it like a follow your gut kind of thing throughout the whole process? I'd say it's more of following your gut or as Hannah said earlier, find what you're passionate about, um, whether that's a patient population or a procedure, um, and then also evaluating that that patient population or procedure is what you're going to see every day, looking at what the bread and butter of that specialty is. Um, You know, being uh, in pediatrics, there are certain super rare cases where you're going to have someone with some unknown genetic disorder, and that's really cool. But don't go into pediatrics just for that, because that's not what you're going to see day in and day out. That's going to be a little bit rarer. So uh, if you're evaluating family medicine, uh, you should like, you know, evaluating hypertension and diabetes. Or if you want to be a general surgeon, uh, lap appies and coles. So I think like finding what you're going to be passionate about day to day would be my biggest thing. I don't know that I had a specific tree, because I think a lot of people say that first branch point of the tree is medicine or surgery and I was Mm -hmm. between the two (laughs) yeah I think kind of similar to Tara just I know this sounds super cheesy just find what you're interested in and passionate about because you can see yourself doing 20 years down the road Mm -hmm. and still loving Mm -hmm. um so I think you know in some ways medicine is unique we've chosen kind of a vocation right rather than a, a job for um lack of a better word and We should absolutely love what we're doing every day because we are responsible for people's lives and for their care. Um, And if you think about a family member or a loved one, you want their doctor to be so passionate about what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that starts in your first year of medical school or even before. Mm -hmm. So just finding out um, what you're interested in and the first couple of years, you're going to be thinking about what kind of, you know, pathology am I interested in? And mm-hmm. then as it goes, what kind of population am I interested in? And mm-hmm. as it goes further, what am I, what my, what do I want my daily life to look like? Mm-hmm. How does that fit in with where I see, you know, a family or other things kind of in your future? And so I think it's important to consider all of those things. I wish there was a simple like tree or algorithm to follow, but I think really it is just taking each step Um, and evaluating it as it comes and being really honest with yourself about what you actually like and don't uh, and not doing something just because you think you should. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here, guys. Um, You guys are phenomenal, and I wish you the best of luck in residency. Um, And would it be too much to ask uh, for your emails if any budding pediatric, uh, 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 well, pediatricians are out there. Um, uh, if they want to contact you, any questions or anything about the residency program or yeah, of that. course, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having us. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like an email that would be best for you guys? Yeah. So mine's kind of long. I apologize. Oh, of <laughs> it's Hannah H A N N A H dot Friedman F R I E D M A N eighteen at gmail dot com. Cool. Uh, and mine is funk, F-U-N-K, Tara, T-A-R-A-C, at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Thanks Thank for you. Having us. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relationship is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.